All right, everybody. Today, I am joined again with Josh. Josh, the guy behind Catmos. Also, Josh, one of the people that is in the community, technically incredibly competent and doing a lot of deep thinking research, looking into where the Chia blockchain is going. And today, we're going to be talking about something that he may have sussed out of the details of some of the papers that have been produced by the Chia team and some of the technologies that are behind it. So Josh, why don't you intro this really quick? We've been talking about some data layer stuff and some tie-ins. Now you've been poking around GitHub also. Why don't you bring us up to speed on what you're thinking? Okay, so, um, and this is all of course, just complete guesswork at this point. So I should start there. Um, I, uh, this is all just based on what I've kind of seen and some of the hints we've gotten. And especially I think today with this big white paper that kind of got leaked or or got posted and then re removed or or something. But anyway, we, we still got to see it. Um, so specifically- wait wait, 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 step back. Oh, wait, what, what? What was that? The, that happened the, today? Yeah, well, I think so. Well, is this, isn't that what you were referencing? But that's, that's the PDF that I sent. The PDF uh, that you sent me, I just, I didn't know that it got posted today. No. Well, so yeah. So uh, if you look at Chia Plot, the Chia Plot Twitter feed, uh -huh. that's where I saw it. So sorry, I, I assumed you, I, I thought we were on the same page here. I, I thought you had seen this. Yeah, Until you the, said something I had not, no. So on the Chia Plot, let me just look at it here. Um, the ChiaPlot.net, where you can get your up-to-date information because Chris is expert level digger of information. And so folks, if we're looking here at the chiaplot.net and the Climate Warehouse Observer node uh, being live and the information that was kind of leaked out there possibly in the latest uh, updated PDF, there was something about a deleted tweet. This is actually a pretty old PDF, but there's some implications in here that I think make a lot of sense if we're looking at them. Why don't we talk about some of the things that we saw that I think speak to the capability set of where the data layer may be and the synchronization of databases and how those databases can be coordinated across the blockchain, essentially with the singleton. So I think, and again, this is all just kind of based on what we're seeing here. It, it looks to me like uh, it starts out kind of as a name value pair storage in general of, of different um, bits of data that you want to store. In this case, for the climate warehouse, I think they're, they're storing the hash of, of data somehow verifying it or authenticating it. Um, but I think it, it seems like maybe with data layer, you can store pretty much any sort of name value pair data. Um, they even reference uh, in page 18, 3.7.1.8, future capability, large binary data. In future version data layer, Chia will support binary large object blob data. This can include PDFs, satellite imagery, et cetera. So obviously, data layer is not just meant to store hashes, I don't think. It's not just meant to store um, simple, very simple data like that. I, I think it, it, it's obviously meant to store any sort of data we want to store. Um, and and so uh, this relates to like IPFS, if we're looking at like IPFS, yes. because you're essentially got a database sitting on top of a referential point and that's distributed. Now, the question about Chia is you would be able to coordinate at massive scale and select possibly which data you wanted to be involved with sharing uh, and possibly even just joining the singleton is what spools up an instance of a new database. Is that something? That's, that's kind of, so yeah, imagine this. So right now you've got Chia itself. You've got the Chia blockchain database, which is a SQL-like database 
you know, in, on your computer that it's storing the, 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 the blockchain data. Um, so it, it seems like to me, they said, okay, let's, let's take that and let, let you take the same concept of that with the peer to peer sharing of that data, but let, let you store whatever you want in, in there instead of just coins and, and keys and tokens and hashes and all that. So now what I imagine is you say, okay, I want to create a new data store. I want to store, for example, one of the first things that would be that we would store is maybe the, the tail database type stuff. So a uh, name value storage of a tail and a name of a cat. So just these two things, um, we could actually store, we could create a new data store in, in this data layer, which I imagine would create a new SQL, uh, SQLite database file separate from the Chia blockchain entirely. Right. Um, perhaps, maybe not, maybe, maybe not, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and then, then I could, by, by virtue of creating that data store, I get some sort of singleton token or some sort of thing that represents that data store, kind of like a tail represents a cat. Um, in this case, the singleton represents that data store. And then I, as the creator, can, can publish that out to anybody else. Um, and anybody else can then, just like with cats now, they could take that, that, uh, that tail or that, that, that hash of that, that singleton and put it into their Chia client. And then their Chia client would say, would, would start gossiping that out and say, hey, if anybody knows about the data behind this singleton, let me know about it. And eventually that would get over to me, the, the, the guy that created the data store in the first place. And my Chia client would say, hey, I, I know about that data. Here, here's some of that data. And, and then we, me and that one other client would be kind of out of band syncing um, just this data, not, not over the Chia blockchain or even over the, the Chia network itself. But right. me and this other client would be forming our own little peer-to-peer -peer network for this just this, um, this special new data store that we've got. Right. But at the same time, the validation and verification of that data would live over on the Chia blockchain. So, for example, whenever I update some data, I'm going to update my singleton over in the blockchain. And that's how your client knows to go request and sync that data because now it knows that there's been some, some sort of change. So this would um, kind of speak to the... Uh multi-issuance cap possibly and the ability to update that over time would that be one of the possibilities I, that's the, i think it's related to that, to that. I, yeah i think it's related to that because it, it seems like you're definitely updating your singleton the singleton represents the data store on the chia blockchain and and every time you update your data store with new data you then update that singleton is what i'm kind of seeing or reading between the lines and then that's kind of the trigger to all the other um peers out there for your data store that they need to request new data or, or sync. Um, now, maybe you don't have to update it very frequently, though. Maybe that's something right. you would control and just like on the application layer, be like, hey, I'm going to initiate. Or exactly. And, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So imagine with the application, like if there was a schema change, for instance, to how you're accessing it, because I noticed one of the things that they talked about was the ability to query the individual rows uh, with a hash value. And so it seems like it is one way, right? The communication of the data set from originator to consumer, but there could be a numerous amount of consumers kind of adding to that redundancy capability. But if there was an update to the data structure underlying that, like the schema, possibly they would need to issue out a new singleton and say, hey, by the way, you need to do a different type of refresh because we've changed the structure of data. Now, would that backfill the data? I, I think since it's blockchain technology, it would build from zero, right? As it yeah. rebuilds the data set, and then it would actually see all of the data. So this does seem immutable, 
right? Right. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's almost like a forward-only database. And even though they mentioned that you that you can edit and delete data, I'm guessing that's very similar to uh, the blockchain itself, where, for example, when you spend a coin, you don't destroy the coin. The coin doesn't get deleted. It's still there. It's just marked as spent. So right. I imagine it's similar here when you do, when you say, hey, data store, I want to, or data layer, I want to delete this record. What really is happening, I imagine, is that record is being marked as deleted for historical purposes. And now, if you did say, hey, data store, what's the latest view of this data? It would say it wouldn't show you that record because it's been deleted, supposedly. But you could, as it says, um, you could go query for the inserted and deleted rows associated with a specific commit by commit number. So you couldn't you couldn't query for deleted rows if they weren't if they didn't still exist somewhere, right? So right. so I think what it's saying is you could you could go back in time and you could say, hey, what what were the rows that were deleted as of this last block height or commit commit number or something? I think that's what they're saying there. So let's talk about what this is not. This is not a brand new database technology in and of itself. Most likely, this is an extension of existing SQL-like relational database. Exactly. But it's yeah. going to start at like a key value pair, kind of like Redis. But you can do so much with that. I mean, right, of course. Yeah, there's yes. a huge amount you can do with key value pairs and, and just kind of like document DB storage where you store maybe a huge JSON um, a part, parse, parcel of JSON in a, in, a, in a blob field or something. And of course, the blob fields themselves, I mean, being able to store big, big binary data, that's where you store your, your uh, NFT images, for example, or your... Um, uh, any sort of case, yeah, yeah, any sort of images, video, audio. I mean, all of that is obviously big, nice blob data that would be stored. Uh, that shouldn't, that wouldn't be anywhere on the blockchain, but the hash of it would be, so that you can verify it. But of course, the the blob data itself would be in a separate data store that that you, as a Chia node, can either subscribe to or not. So you're not forced to download all this extra data unless you just want to um, be part of that peer network for that specific data. So um, let's say that I set up a, a tail database and then gave you the, the, the key so that you could start syncing with it. Well, I could build, just like kind of Freddie did with the tail database site, I could build a website on top of that that actually is talking directly to that SQLite database. So it's very fast and it could update things very fast, very quickly. But over time, that's now syncing out to all of its peers. So so from the website perspective, you could update things and, and it looks like the, the website's updated immediately just like any other website because it's talking directly to that, that local SQLite database. But then over time, you on, on your client would get those updates as well, maybe in the next few minutes as the blockchain updates and, and, and goes forward. So it wouldn't be necessarily real time, but, but you would catch up all the databases out there, all the data layers, data stores out there. Um, well, in average block time being somewhere pegged at about like 52 or 53 seconds, I believe, according to the lightest white paper, that's near real-time information. Now, mm -hmm. we were talking about some concepts that are kind of, you know, I asked you, do you think this is like going to be an ACID-compliant kind of data store? Mm -hmm. Do you think, and you mentioned, yes, this probably has some two-phase commit. I looked that up really quickly to get a little bit deeper understanding of that at like the engineering level of how a protocol and concurrency in a protocol will work to allow that kind of commit cycle to happen. Now, does that seem like something that will be, is the two phase commit essentially what's being coordinated on the blockchain? Is that your understanding? 
So yeah, so specifically the um, if you go forward, it's almost hard to talk about this without whiteboarding and drawing. You know, it yeah, really it is. is on um, on page nineteen. I start talking about two party commits, and what this reminded me of um, two phase commit, which is a common central data centralized database store term, and mm -hmm. a, a two phase commit is where um, you've got a distributed system. Uh, maybe you're you, you've got maybe you've got six or seven different databases and they all need to um, to commit data atomically at the same time. Right. And if any one of them fails, all of the other ones need to roll back. So you need, in that case, you need some sort of coordinator at the top that, that it, it, it's two phases. The first phase is the coordinator says, hey, everybody, all your databases, I want you to do this, these commands. Um, do you, I want you to look at these commands and tell me if you think you can do them. <laughs> And, and that's called the voting phase. So they all vote and say, yes, I think I can do this. And so you and need a quorum for that. And typically exactly. that's where you run into expenses with databases. If you've ever created exactly. like a Galera cluster, oh exactly. my gosh, that gets really expensive as you grow. The your more you have, the more you have to wait because everybody has to agree, right? So yeah. So now the second phase is, okay, everybody voted yes. And the second phase is the, the central coordinator says, okay, everybody, everybody voted yes, go, go do your thing. And that's phase two. And then supposedly everything should happen atomically. Um, in this case, this, this two-party commit is actually a decentralized version of that, which is really cool. Which is, um, it's it's offer files, and and I can. This was this was written in October. My, I'm I'm just guessing here, but my bet is that this is what offer files used to be called transaction files back when they right. first thought of them, uh, because they mentioned in three point ten point one they say transaction files. It's a signed commitment from one party and a demand of the other party. I mean, that's an offer file as we know it today, right? So, but they talk about actually trading um, uh, data. So they say in the context of data layer, the commitment and demand can be corresponding database updates to the data tables owned by two parties. And that's, that blows my mind. So what that means is I think it, it, in the concept of an, of an offer file, imagine that you could, um, instead of trading cats with one another, Back to our tail database example. Somebody out there creates a new cat, and they they want to um, they want me to update my central database. So they could send me a transaction file that has an update to the that says, "Hey, put this new cat in your database." And um, the the demand, um, I guess, is that that after you do this, the new database will look like this, which will exactly what it looks like now, but it will now include my new cat. So that's kind of the verification that it succeeded. But then I receive that and I could accept that transaction file. And at that point, um, the blockchain verifies that, that the results of that are what we both expected and, and then it accepts it and puts it on the chain. But the, the interesting thing is it's all- So happening. that avoids kind of a lock condition existing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. There's so no you, more centralized coordinator. It's, it, it's, like, it's like it's all batched up until the very end. And then at the end, the person says, okay, everything looks good. Let's do it. And then it all happens right then in one, in one transaction at the end. So I don't know how- and It may not even be a person. Let's, let's be clear. Exactly. It could actually be an application that's built to automatically accept things and do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I don't, I, this is where I'm still a little bit confused. I, I don't know if this functionality is meant for um, um, third-party updates where, you know, like, like what I just described, where the original creator of the data store wants to let other people update the data store in a, in a, some sort of peer-to-peer -peer way. I, I can imagine that happening. Right. The other thing I started thinking of though, I mean, it, it says um, a transaction file can include any commitment and demand that can be represented on the blockchain. 
that 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 line right there is really interesting to me because uh, anything that can be represented on the blockchain in the world means a cat xch now data so does that mean i don't know what this does that mean that that somebody could send me data and request xch or cat i mean that's kind of interesting right i, I could you could now have people that are the sources of data that actually can sell or trade that data with with data stores, uh, with data layer providers. That's, I don't know if that's what that this means, but. So you could access, you could sell access to software, uh, like a software application via this means I, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. That, or, well, think of it like, um, think of a, uh, of a GIS database, a huge mapping database. Maybe okay. there's, maybe you've got multiple, um, sources, different people that own planes or drones that are acquiring this data. And they're selling it back to you, right? So they 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 send you an offer file with this new GIS data that their drone just produced, and they request 10XCH in payment. And if if you if you accept it, then you pay them 10XCH, and now you can take their drone data and put it in your GIS database. I mean, I, right. I don't know if that's what this means, but that that's kind of brilliant if that's if that's where this is going. That would be, I mean, that would allow for massive decentralization of collaboration on data sets at value. So well, at value think, to individuals. You can start seeing where like all of a sudden we become independent reporters selling information um, on the blockchain peer to peer like that. That's kind of interesting. Well, yeah. And so, I mean, I was even thinking of some interesting uses that were not necessarily just this, but I was trying to like use case it in my mind. And I was like, okay, so there, you brought up a really good one there. What about like video or something like that, or a premium service, like the ability to access those files, you could say, this is the offer file set that I've got. If you want to synchronize the database of this history, maybe even like manuals, guides, all sorts of different information could be presented on this layer. And then people could actually decide whether they want to buy into it. Not only that, they could update and commit to that data set also. So if you've created a really good schema that is publicly accessible and also people understand how to update it, or if you've created an application that sits on top of that where people can interact with any data set could be extensively updated. The documentation could be updated. This would allow for people to do things like uh, collaborative writing and get rewarded for it. This could change journalism as an entire industry. Isn't this isn't this also like digital rights management, like MP3s, movies, everything? I mean, can't you protect? So, for example, um, 3D printing. Let's, let's think of that. So, imagine yeah. I have a data, <clears throat> my personal data store of my 3D printed uh, parts that I've collected, my 3D models of files, like STL. And there's also okay. a, a data store out there in the of uh, uh, an official. Um, site that sells me models, right? That I can buy models. Thingverse. So I can now, yeah, Thingiverse or or one uh, one of the other one, Colts 3D or one of those that you can actually buy models from. So okay. now I could send an offer file to one of them and say, I want model XYZ, and here's one XCH, and and then they accept the offer, and then because of that, that updates my database with data from their database. So they got my one XCH, and the result of that was more data went into my database from their database. And that data that went into my database is the new file that I just bought. And now I have it locally, it's always mine, it's in my database under my protection. It's 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 now linked to my singleton. You've got digital rights management. It seems like it all works. 
people that are subscribers would be able to access it at that point yeah. automatically. It's automatically yep. synced up, whatever the bits are behind that on that external data layer. So that yep. is really cool. That is yep. really cool. Folks, I hope this excites you. I've been saying for some time that the Chia technology brings an awesome set of extensible power to the individual. If you're not seeing it yet, boy, I think we are ready for a revolution. That does seem like revolutionary type of technology, the kind that changes industries, kind of like I've been mentioning recently has happened in the past. All right, everybody, we will see you next time. Josh, thank you so much for talking to us real quick. Uh, bring us an update about Catmos. How could this change Catmos Zero? Let's talk about that oh, real man. quick. I, I haven't even, like, I just started thinking about this. I haven't even imagined that yet. But um, quick update, CatBot is still coming along. I have um, been kind of buried under getting the development environment set up with Docker, but I've gotten that uh, squared away, I think. So hope to see some more updates soon on that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So CatBot 9000, folks, if you have not checked that out on the Discord, that is one of the most extensible lookup bots for the up-to-date information on cats. Again, cats, offer files, wonderful interchange that is allowing the pre-sale of NFTs, which will be something that is hitting even larger than ever before. I've got to have you back on. I'm going to be doing a uh, wrap up here with some other people, and I'm going to talk about the changes that are happening on the Chia blockchain now that 1.3 is main out there, now that it's not a beta, now that every node has the capability. So if they had like a 10% uptake before, the chances of them having about 100% uptake on the 1.3 are going to be pretty great. As well, there's a June something happening with the divide by negative bug. So that looks like soft forkage that's going to happen by June. So people will want to be updating their information. Link above to the guide that I just put out for doing that in Windows, in Linux. You already know how to do it. You guys are good. All right, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.